This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Let's talk about close encounters of the epic kind. In this series, we've been talking about people who encountered Jesus. And it's been very interesting. Some met Jesus on a mountaintop where he was transformed or transfigured into his eternal body and that it blew them away and we've we've seen people encounter Jesus by bringing a woman that they caught in the act of committing adultery and they threw her in the dust in front of Jesus and raised stones to stone her and and Jesus saved her life we've we've seen Jesus encountering a number of people today we're going to see a guy by the name of Nicodemus encounter Jesus. And in this case, Nicodemus goes to seek Jesus out. But for various reasons, not the least of which is fear, Nicodemus decides to wait till it's dark and no one will notice. And then he goes to seek Jesus out. So the name of this teaching is Nick at Night. (laughs) And if you're old enough to laugh at that, I love you. If you're looking at me like, what language is that? Well, God bless you too, all right? So we're going to take a look at Nick at night. Here's what I want us to know about all of these encounters, and that is encounters with Jesus actually form pivotal points in our lives. No one ever encountered Jesus and walked away exactly the same as they came. It's impossible for you, impossible for me, to actually encounter Jesus, the ruler of heaven and earth, the creator of heaven and earth, the sustainer of all that is here, the one and only savior of the world, God in human flesh. It's impossible for any of us to encounter him and walk away and go, eh, no big deal. It becomes a pivotal moment. This is actually what changes people when they come to church. It's the encountering of Jesus. It always gives us a new and fresh perspective about something that's been holding us back or something that's been inhibiting us in life or something that might even be destructive in our life. And Jesus brings a loving, fresh, new light on that. And oftentimes helps us into a brand new season or chapter in our lives. And we're going to see that happen in Nicodemus today. So let's jump straight to John chapter 3. And let's start reading the story. It said, There was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus, who was part of the sect called the Pharisees and a member of the Jewish ruling council. One night he secretly came to Jesus. Now this is a fairly innocuous beginning of a story. And yet if we cruise through this, we will miss some really important points. You see, John, who's a follower of Jesus and is recounting the story after the fact, in this first sentence, he encapsulates three things 
that are super important for us. And they are descriptors of Nicodemus, but they're way more than that. Because there are three, the three most common ways that you and I opt for to help us feel good about ourselves, and hopefully to help God feel good about us. And here they are, religious activity, rule keeping, and doing good. Now, if we go back to the screen we just read, take a look at what John says about Nicodemus. It says, there was a prominent religious leader. Nicodemus was trying this religious activity thing, and he was actually so good at it, he became a prominent religious leader. And then it says, among the Jews, and he was part of the sect called the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were notorious for their rules. In fact, they had gone through the Old Testament law with a fine-tooth comb, and God says, I'm going to give you ten commandments, and I want you to build your life around these commandments, and you've probably heard of them. The Pharisees went through the Old Testament and they distilled out 623 rules. And then that wasn't enough. They had a whole other book called The Tradition of the Elders that had three times that many rules. How would you like to join a church that had 2,500 rules? Would that hold any appeal? Not for me. Not for me. I'd feel like a failure every day. Nicodemus was part of that sect. When it came to rule keeping, this dude was on steroids. And then the third thing was doing good. It says that he was a member of the ruling Jewish council. It was like their legislative executive, and judicial branch all rolled together in one. It was called the Sanhedrin, and Nicodemus was a member of that council. He was actually trying to do good for everyone in the entire nation. And yet, Nicodemus came to Jesus one night, and the fact that he came was saying this to Jesus. Jesus, I've tried religious activity to the nth degree. I've tried rule keeping to the nth degree. I've tried doing good to the point I'm on the highest council in our country, but there's still something missing. No matter how hard I try to feel good about myself, I don't. Hmm. Let's go on and read what happens in this story. Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God, for no one could do all the miracles you do unless God's power is with him. I have so much respect for Nicodemus in this verse right here. 
because Nicodemus is a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, this ruling council, and they have all dismissed Jesus straight out of hand. Why? Because Jesus wasn't what they were looking for. They were looking for a Messiah, but to them, the Messiah, yeah, he could be a religious leader, but he needed to be a political leader, and he needed to be a military leader, and he needed to lead the Jewish nation in deliverance from Roman rule, and he needed to elevate the Jewish nation to where the Jews dominated the world. That's what they were looking for. It made no difference how many miracles Jesus did. They simply dismissed him out of hand because he wasn't what they wanted. I just want to share with all of us this morning, one of the easiest things for you and me to do is to be selective with Jesus. No, Jesus, I don't want you to touch that area of my life. That's actually not what I'm looking for. But this area over here, it's a pain in my patootie. Could you just deliver me from this? Thank you very much. Nicodemus comes. And here's what I love about Nicodemus. He has too much conscience for that. And Nicodemus does something that I want to encourage everyone in our audience, whether you're here or online, I want to encourage all of us to do this. Never, ever, ever shy away from the uncomfortable questions. Don't pretend that they're not there. You know the uncomfortable question for Nicodemus? Jesus, <laughs> man, you are anything but what we thought the Messiah would be. And yet, you do these amazing miracles that only God can do. What's up with that? Everybody else was just dismissing Jesus out of hand because they didn't like that uncomfortable question. I just want to say to you this morning, no matter what uncomfortable question comes up, as I'm teaching through Nicodemus' story this morning, don't dismiss it out of hand and avoid it. Because it's as you press into it, you might encounter Jesus. Jesus has an amazing answer. Let's read it. Jesus says to Nicodemus, who says, you have to be from God. And Jesus said, okay, here you go. Listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must experience, first experience being born again. Well, put a pen in it. Stop the presses. What in the world is that about? Can I just say... There is a pivotal moment in human history happening right then, right there. Did you know? Now, if you've hung around church for a while, or if you've even been around someone who's a Christian, you've probably heard the phrase born again, right? 
Yeah. Did you know until Jesus said this to Nicodemus, no one had ever heard of that. It had never been revealed to a single human being ever. It wasn't even spoken of directly in the Old Testament. Maybe a veiled reference so vague you'd never get it ahead of time. Listen. If you're willing to come to Jesus with the uncomfortable question, God will trust you and reveal to you things that other people don't get because they avoid those questions. Nicodemus, now you and I, if we've hung around church for a while, know that the idea of being born again is a central pillar in the kingdom of Jesus, right? The whole kingdom is built around it. And yet God chose Nicodemus to be the first guy to ever hear it. This is fascinating stuff. Nicodemus cannot get past two words, born again. Take a look at what he says. He goes, uh, I have a question. <laughs> How can anyone be born who has already been born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. My mom's not going to like this. <laughs> what do you mean with this born again talk? You know, to Nicodemus, this was science fiction and more fiction than science. Definitely. He goes, Jesus, I don't get this. I know you're a teacher come from God, but man, this is, this is difficult stuff to understand. And Jesus knew that. So he starts to break it out for Nicodemus a little bit. And here's his response to Nicodemus. So Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Now, I've underlined the next sentence because it is the most important sentence in this entire dialogue. And I'm not usually one given to overstatements, but I want to tell you this. It might be the most important sentence you could ever read in the Bible. Because there's a fundamental truth here that Jesus didn't want Nicodemus to miss and he doesn't want us to miss. He says this, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to what? Supernatural life. Back up, Nicodemus. When you first came to me, you're a prominent religious leader. You're, you're a member of the Jewish ruling council. You're a member of the sect of the Pharisees. Nicodemus, you're doing all the religious activity that any human can do. You're doing all the good that any human can do. You're keeping all the rules that any human can, can keep. But Nicodemus, humans, human activity 
can only give birth to human results. And Nick, what you're missing is what you were born for. It's what you were made for. Do you realize you were made to house the spirit of the living God? And Nick, until you have God's spirit living in you, you're always going to feel empty. Wow. That was both a bombshell and a masterfully liberating principle. That's why this is called the golden text of Scripture, because it most clearly lays out how the good news of Jesus is designed to work in our lives. So Jesus goes on to explain it further. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And then Jesus does this wonderful thing that, that we miss out on in the English language, but Nicodemus did not miss out on it because in Nicodemus's language, the word spirit and the word wind were the exact same word. Anybody watch my big fat Greek wedding? He's come from the Greek word. You remember that? The Greek word is pneuma. Okay, from which we get pneumonia. That's why pneumonia starts with a P. Because you have problems with your breath or your wind. Okay, it's where we get the idea of pneumatic tools and, um, and pneumatic tires that are inflated with air. It's this whole idea of breath or wind or spirit. It was all the same word in the original Greek language. And so Jesus picks up on that play on words and says to Nicodemus, listen, the wind or the spirit blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. Now listen, 2,000 years later, and all the weather tech that we have, we understand that wind blows from high pressure to low pressure. That's always how wind blows. But we don't exactly know what creates high pressure, and we don't exactly know what creates low pressure. And even more important than that, we can't create high pressure cells, and we can't create low pressure cells, which is why we have no control over the wind at all. That makes sense to everybody? And just as we have no control over the wind, we cannot manipulate the Spirit of God. Now, in heaven, if there is a big conference table, before the earth was created, before humankind was created, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and whoever else they wanted gathered around this heavenly conference table and they began to pop postulate, what if? What if we took that planet 
And we turned it into a place where creatures could live. And what if we created a variety of creatures? And what if we created one creature that was actually made in our image, that had the ability to communicate with us and to be communicated with, that had the ability to love and be loved, that had the ability to have emotions, like those of us sitting around this table have emotions. And what if we took a small piece of the nature of of God, of us, and put it in this creature And what if we gave that creature the ability to have free will? What if they choose wrong? To which God said, what if we choose to forgive? How are we going to forgive? What if one of us becomes the sacrifice that purchases forgiveness? What if they take our forgiveness and just run with it and, and do all sorts of terrible things knowing that they can be forgiven? God said, what if? We took our spirit and we enabled our spirit to be born inside them if they want it. And what if that spirit has the power to actually rise up and have greater control than their human spirit? And what if that spirit transforms them into what they could never be on their own? God said, yeah, let's do that. Nicodemus, I know you don't understand the wind. And I don't, and I know you don't understand how God's spirit could be born inside of you. But just because you can't explain the wind doesn't mean you can't accept the wind because you do every day. And just because you can't explain how the Spirit of God could be born in you doesn't mean you can't accept it. I'm telling you, Nick, this is what you've been looking for. This is what you're missing in your life. And you've tried all this stuff and you're a wealthy guy and you're a prominent guy and everybody knows you and you're popular and you do all these good things and you keep all these rules. Nick, 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 you're a great guy. But even the greatest among us is still hollow if they're missing the spirit of the living God. And then he refers to a story that Nicodemus knew well. He said, Nick, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, before I get into what that story is, uh, listen, (laughs) 
Jesus is dropping another bomb on Nick. Nick, this just this isn't just better life. This isn't a better set of rules. This isn't just a supernatural life. Nick, this is eternal life. Wow. Life that never ends. Huh. Now let's go back to the story. <coughs> In the history of, of Nick's nation, the Israelites, there was a period of time where they were journeying through the wilderness and they all lived in a big camp. And there was probably about two or three million of them. So it was a giant camp. And one day, an infestation of poisonous snakes hits that camp and begins to bite people. And there are so many of these poisonous snakes, it was virtually impossible not to get bitten by one of them. And people are just dropping dead like flies. Moses cries out to God and says, God, we got to have some help. God said, Moses, get some bronze. Make a pole. Make a brass serpent. And put that serpent around that pole and plant it in the middle of the camp. And God says the most unlikely thing. Tell anyone who's bitten by a snake... Look at the pole and you will live. Moses makes a pole, makes a snake, puts it around the pole, plants that pole in the middle, tells everybody, if you're bitten, look at the pole and you will live. And people begin turning to look at the pole and they are instantaneously healed until eventually the snakes leave. Does anybody know how that worked? It's not important that you know. You know the what? Look to the pole and you will live. Now, Jesus says, look, Nick, as Moses lifted up this bronze snake in the wilderness and everyone who looked at it lived, so I will be lifted up and anyone who looks at me will live. Nicodemus is probably going, what? But you fast forward about three years later. Nicodemus is standing at the foot of the cross. And Jesus is giving his life through crucifixion. And Nicodemus is looking up at Jesus. And I'm sure these words came back. When the Son of Man is lifted up, anyone who will look to him will live and have eternal life. Did you know the universal signal for the medical profession, the universal symbol, you know what it is? Take a look. You've seen it before. It's a pole with snakes around it. The idea is you're supposed to be able to look to the medical profession and live. Can I tell you God's a lot better at that? <laughs> okay. We're grateful for all the medical help we can get, but in the end, God's a lot better. Okay. 
And then Jesus wraps up this dialogue with Nicodemus with his most famous verse that we just sang in the, in the song we just sang. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to judge its people, but rather to save them through him. Now listen, take your eyes off the screen for just a minute and listen. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nick, do you realize that our whole nation has had a wrong understanding of God? He isn't at all what we have thought him to be. We have thought him to be primarily a celestial judge who continually scrutinizes our behavior to make sure that we're living up to some sort of standard he has set for us. But that's not actually who God is. God is a lover of people. Actually, he's a father. And he loves people so much that he's willing to part with his one and only son. And again, I'm thinking as Nicodemus is standing at the foot of the cross and looking up, he's realizing this is God giving his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but actually could be born again and have the Spirit of God born in them and they could be transformed. Because God did not send his Son into the world to judge and condemn it, but rather to save it. Is that good news? Yeah. That's awesome good news. Yeah. I'm going to close with a story and an illustration. And the story is a story we talk about that we focus on around Christmas. And one day there's a, a young lady in the city of Nazareth and the angel appears to her and the angel has this message, Hey, Mary, you are most favored among all people. And he ends up with this message with what you see on the screen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be the Son of God. And all of us, to some degree or other, have fantasized about what was it like to be Mary, right? It's going to be the apex of human experience to have the Spirit of God overshadow you and to have the Son of God formed in you. Whoa. Think about it for a minute. What the angel said to Mary, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, if you will look to me, if you will believe in me, if you will trust me, if you will follow me with your life, if you will invite me in, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and what is born in you will be the life of the Son of God.
Friends, Mary didn't get anything that you and I don't get. Are you on board with that? That's amazing, isn't it? Paul would write this later to his good friends. This is the secret. Christ in you. We're going to sing a song in a minute. But I'm going to close with an illustration. Up here on the on this table, I have, I have a glass of kind of blood red water. Can you see that? You know, if that represents our lives and pure water would be crystal clear, but we've all polluted our lives with sin and it's sort of blood red, yucky stuff. And the amazing thing is we all try things to turn the water clear. It's all human stuff, and it'll be represented by my finger. We try religious activity. We go to church, we go to church, we go to church. We keep all the rituals. We show up at the special services. But somehow the water still looks the same. We try doing good. We do all the good we can do and we get involved in all these causes and we're trying to help the homeless and the and the, those who have been disenfranchised by our society and marginalized and we're doing good but somehow the water never changes we try keeping rules all the rules not just some all the rules we're doing all the right things but no matter how much we do the water never changes because, what was that sentence that was underlined? Humans can only give birth to human stuff. But then Jesus said, the cross has the ability to do something far greater. And if we take the cross of Jesus... And we enter it into our lives, a new spirit comes into us and it begins to change things in our lives. And the water changes. Yeah, I hope you never forget that. It's the most important thing you could ever learn at church or in church. And friends, I told you at the beginning I was going to give a very clear and open invitation. And I'm not here to beg. I'm not here. They don't pay me on commission, okay? <laughs> so you can just take that off the, off the board, okay? I want to share with you the greatest thing you could ever do with your life is exactly what Jesus invited Nicodemus to. Choose to be born again by the Spirit of God. If you will, He won't just give you better rules to keep or a better, better meditation or, or a better way to live with karma or whatever it is that you think might be the secret to life. Jesus will give you, He will birth in you the Spirit of the living God and He will begin to form Christ in you. If you've never made that choice as an adult, I want to give you that choice. 
I'm going to say a short prayer. We're going to stand and sing a song that says, I am who he says I am. Because in the end, it's what God says about us that actually determines who we are. Would you pray with me? God, we are so grateful. Thank you for Nicodemus who came with some awkward questions. And thank you for revealing to him this amazing good news that changes our life and makes our world different. God, would you give us the courage and the faith to choose you this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.